Welcome to episode eight of the greatest people you've never met podcast. Thank you so much for listening at home. Uh, appreciate all the support, overwhelming support, to be honest. Uh, everybody sharing and subscribing and their feedback means a lot. Today, on short notice, we have a guest with us, Mr. Brian Howie. Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, apparently, I'm only the eighth greatest person you've yeah. ever met. No. Well, Are we, we going in order? Is it chronological of greatness? It is not. It is <laughs> it's not. random. Yeah, it is random. Good. Uh, no, Brian uh, joined, uh, reached out to Brian earlier today, a couple hours ago, asked him if he would fill in as a replacement. He said, absolutely. And I said, there's only one rule. You got to share a bush light with me. And I will gladly cracked one. The greatest beer I've never met. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's maybe that's good. the next. We've name. lowered the bar of greatness. No, we've to raised include it. me. We well, you know that's good. That's a pretty good beer. It is a great beer. Yeah, it's the right temperature. It's got a little koozie going. Yeah. Rock and roll. You're welcome. All right, Thank brother. you. Appreciate you. Thanks. Uh, for everybody listening at home, Brian, just introduce yourself to us. Um, my name is Brian Howie. I have been a writer, director, producer for a long, long time. Uh, sadly, long, long time. <laughs> um, I am probably best known now as the uh, host and creator of The Great Love Debate, which is the world's number one dating and relationship podcast. Um, my job is not to provide the answers. My job is to raise the questions on that show. But because we've done so many shows and, you know, live shows in 126 cities and 13 countries that uh, we do have a lot of the answers. Sure. So, <laughs> you know, so I am not a uh, relationship expert, but I'm pretty good at uh, influencing the conversation. And so that's... Uh, that's what got me into podcasting, which eventually somehow got you into podcasting. Absolutely. And, uh, that's the chain of it. Yeah, I started out for, for most of my show business career. I was behind the scenes. I was a writer, like I said, writer, director, producer. Wrote a semi-tongue-in-cheek book about eight years ago called How to Find Love in 60 Seconds. It was sort of a satirical look at dating. And um, my agent at the time said... Why don't you, uh, instead of having, you know, 25 people in Barnes & Noble on a book tour, why don't you raise some of the questions the book raises in like a theater, like a, like a promotional stunt? And um, eight years later and 400 shows and 350 podcasts and here we are. So the book came first. The book came first. It was sort of uh, just sort of a smart alecky look. Uh, I dealt with a lot of actresses in Hollywood and... Um, I thought they weren't taking ownership of their own dating fate sure. that I thought they could have. So I wrote this book and um, the book led to the great love debate. I no longer believe the book. I think I was wrong on a lot of it. I don't, I, I think I thought I knew the men's side of it too much because I was a man. Sure. It's a mistake women sense. make a lot. They're like, I'm a woman. I understand women. No, you just understand yourself. Sure. I started to just understand myself. And, um, but what the tour did was sort of, we raised the question to try and solve the dating disconnect in every city we go to. Every city is different. Every crowd is different. Every night is different. And like I said, we've been to all over the world. Yeah. And um, it's been wild. So I've been hosting the Great Love Debate for a long, long time now. And, uh, you know, being out in front and being sort of, for lack of a better term, the talent. Sure. Is unusual after I spent all that time behind, behind the scenes. You know, and I don't think I was comfortable enough or confident enough to be 
out in front for till I till the time came and I was ready. And um, some smart people recognized that, and they're like, you know, it's you, it's time for you to do this. Sure. And um, that's it. The podcast then came. So the book started the live tour, which yep. then started the podcast. Mo- it, usually, it's the other way around. Their podcast turns into live shows. People do live versions of their podcast. We turn the podcast. Uh, we we turn the live show into a podcast. So. So when you. When you go that route and you were like promoting the book, but essentially doing a live tour, but with a book, because I think that's an interesting thing. How was that interaction? Where was that taking place at? Were you doing like comedy clubs? It started out mostly theaters, like okay. traditional theaters, three or 400 seat theaters. We did one here uh, at the uh, Scottsdale Performing Arts Center down the street. Okay. Then um, we started doing some music venues, some live music venues. And then uh, Adam Carolla came to me. Um, some of your listeners probably know who Adam is. Um, hosted Loveline for a long, long time. He hosts The Man Show. He's a big podcaster. Yeah. Um, and we had the same manager. And he said, why aren't you doing comedy clubs? This needs to be funny. Sure. He's like, the only way to get people to sort of learn or, or react is if you break the walls down by getting to laugh more. And so he's like... Um, I'm going to book you at a comedy club in, in Burbank, California. It's a pretty big comedy club. And I was like, what? You know, because to, it's one thing to play a theater where you're sort of in control. A comedy club, you're being judged on how funny you are. Right. And I thought I was funny, but I didn't know if I was comedy club funny. And I didn't know if I was Hollywood comedy club funny. Sure. Well, we did it and it worked and people laughed. And, you know, then we started headlining like the Hollywood Improv and all the yep. biggest comedy clubs anywhere um, because this stuff is funny. Sure. There's there's laughter in pain. Yep. When you talk about love dating relationships, it's the one thing that I think everybody has experience with. Everybody has an opinion on everybody, you know, wants to be a part of the conversation. So we never sort of run out of people who want to talk about this and we've right. had tons of big celebrities do the show and and um it still comes down to trying to figure out what the disconnect is between the men and the women and uh that goes in all kinds of directions in the last five years have have had all sorts of challenges that didn't exist when we first started sure there was no um me too right there was no covid right there was no trump yeah which is a big thing in the dating world Sure. How people stand politically is a huge thing now. Absolutely. It used to be. People might used to might have been married for seven years and not know how each other voted. Right. Now it is on the dating profile. For sure. Like swipe left if you're MAGA. Like yep. it's a real thing. So and, and obviously the, the onset of technology and more and more app based dating, that's changed a lot since 2014 when we started. So it's a different landscape and we sort of had to roll with it. But but no matter where we go in the world and we have been to. We've done shows in Melbourne and Tel Aviv and Shanghai and Bangkok. Like we've been all over the place. It still comes down to fundamentally confidence and communication. Yeah. You know, the more confident you are and the better you communicator you are, the better success you're going to have dating. So when you do these live shows, I know like if you go to um, your website, right? Great. No free shout outs, but you go uh, to greatlovedebate.com. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can uh, watch like a little teaser. Yeah, there's, uh, like a, there's like a highlight video from one of the shows we did in Hollywood. Yeah. And uh, yeah, every show's different. We kind of wing it. Um, certain cities are harder to date than others. Certain cities are easy to date than others. Certain cities, the, the women are a little more um, 
aggravated than the men. Certain sure. places are socially awkward. You sure. know, it, it, it varies. Uh, I'm from New York, and it's always fun to do the show, show in New York there because there's such big personalities. Right. We do show in a place like Seattle. There's a lot of socially awkward personalities there. It's, a, it's not a better or worse show. It's just different. It's different. Right. And um, we learn something every time, you know, we do it. We did a show, like I said, in Tel Aviv. It starts at midnight because that's what time they go out. Sure. You know, we do a show in Vegas. People show up drunk. Yeah. And it's, and it's just different. And um, we, we, over the course of 90 pretty funny minutes, we try and solve whatever the issue is in that particular city. And we do a pretty good job of it. So do you have a set panel or does a panel change? Changes every time. Yep. Uh, and they're sort of on the stage to react to what the audience says. Most places, if you have, you know, people on a stage or a panel or whatever, they talk and then the audience might ask the questions. We do the opposite. My job is to, is to be in the crowd and sort of whack these seemingly reasonable people in the head like a pinata to figure out why they are single, why they're single again, what their issues are. And then our people on the stage react to that yep. in a certain way. And Lots of people have gotten together and gotten married and gotten engaged from coming to our shows strictly because the very act of getting a few hundred people in a room and adding alcohol and some sure. shared experiences goes a long, long way to, to, to breaking the walls down. Yeah. So that's fairly rewarding part of it. Um, but it's been a blur. Like I said, I can't believe it's been eight years, over eight years since we started this. And every year I'm like, this is the last year. I can't do this again. Sure. And every year somebody will call and be like, oh, come book. We've got a great venue in uh, Cleveland. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm in. Absolutely. So, so, I mean, just knowing you, I know that you've touched on some other podcast ventures as well. Yeah, I'm really, you know, one good thing about, about doing the Great Love Debate was it allowed me to, to become a podcast host. Yep. And of all the things that I have done in the entertainment business, podcasting is my favorite because it is an unedited, unfiltered, honest conversation right. that you can have with anybody. And I love that. I love, uh, I think being a, a voice in somebody's head is a, is a very powerful thing. And you have to take that responsibility seriously. You never know who's going to be listening. You never know where they're going to be listening. Right. And, uh, and the bigger the podcast got, the more I was like, I think lots of people should be podcasting. Yep. So about six, seven years ago, we started to produce some other people's podcasts, mostly celebrities in, in California at a studio in Santa Monica, because I really wanted to share that experience. Because when somebody came to me, uh, the Corolla people, and they said, why don't you have a podcast? I was like, I don't know how to do a podcast. Sure. And they're like, we'll handle that. They took the hard parts away. And so I'm like, if I can pass that along and take the hard parts away, other people can podcast. So we started to produce one and then five and then 10. And then we started to open these uh, podcast studios like the one we're in now. And, um, you know, we do a few hundred podcasts. Right. And, uh, and it keeps growing and people really seem to enjoy it. And uh, they share their experiences. They share their, their expertise. They share their passion. Right. And they share their curiosity. And I think that those things are what really drive a good podcast. People, I mean, this, this show that, that we're doing right now, it is driven by your curiosity yeah. to learn people's stories and to learn their backgrounds and their histories and their motivations. And that's such a valuable thing that we, you know, we float around in our own bubbles all the time. Right. We barely interact with each other. So the very you know, art of conversation and, and it's such a valuable thing. And it's really, I think rewarding for 
for hosts and guests. I mean, people really like guesting on podcasts. They do. They do. And, um, you know, most people are like, sure. And celebrities really like it, too, because for so many years, they would be so controlled. They would go on The Tonight Show and they'd have three minutes and they'd set up a movie clip and they'd tell one story that has been filtered to death. And then that was it. And they're like, you know what? I have other sides to my personality. Right. And so once the publicists got sort of around to the fact that, you know what? It's good for a brand. It's good for an image if you can tell stories and if you can. Now almost every celebrity has a podcast. Yeah. It used to be hard to get them to, to guest on them because so many people around them are like, no, he can't tell that story. He can't swear. He might drink. He might sure. do That now it's like, you know what? I'm going to have fun and I, and I might be passionate about other things. A lot of celebrities host things that have nothing to do with what you would think. You right. Know? Absolutely. So. Well, and that was like one of the things I wanted to touch on with you today is, you know, just getting to know you and like, you know, obviously I was a curious cat. And so I like dug down a rabbit hole. And one of the podcasts that you were hosting was the Political Junkies. Yeah, I still host that. I haven't okay. done it in a while because I, we, we do that at Studio in Vegas. Yeah, Political Junkies. Um, I host three podcasts. One is Political Junkies. One is The Great Love Debate. And one is The Great Food Feud. And people are like, those are three radically different podcasts. And I'm like, right. They're all passionate conversations. For sure. I think I can grab any two people and, and talk about politics and talk about food and talk about love. Yeah. And, and uh, so, yeah, we oddly, my job on Political Junkies is supposedly to be the reasonable one in the middle. Yeah. And the people we get on that show sometimes are so far out on, on either fringe that they're the same. So, so you right. know, the political spectrum is a sphere. It is. You know, it's amazing how, like, you know, I, I think you guys actually agree. Uh, right. yeah. Like this. So, yeah, we've had people running for Senate. We've had big, uh, a lot of MMA stars for some reason, because a lot of them are going to, you know, well, Tito Ortiz. Vegas, too. And, yeah, and it's Vegas, and it's there. And uh, people want to talk about that stuff. People people are, are want to give their opinion now on, on just about everything. And same with, like I said, to do the Great Food Feud. People get really emotional about tacos. Really? Yeah, they do. Or cheese or condiments or is a hot dog a sandwich? That's a... Um, do you think a hot dog is a sandwich? I do, I do not. A hot dog's a it's, hot dog. It's meat on bread. Yeah, I understand all that, but I've been in that debate and before. And it's it's a hot dog. Is cereal soup? No, because soup's got to be warm. Well, what's gazpacho? I have no idea. never heard that it's word cold Mexican today. soup. Okay, well... <laughs> There you go. <laughs> so anyway, that's yeah. the show. Sure, <laughs> people are like, "I'm not listening to that." You'd be surprised. We did a we did a um, a great food feud about cheese, and I made the argument that Swiss cheese is a very popular, well known cheese. Yeah, but there's nothing that you couldn't substitute out another cheese and make it better. I thought that Swiss cheese just has a good publicist and it's unique because it's got the holes. Sure, if you watch Family Feud and they're like, name a cheese. Swiss. Swiss is going to be in the top couple. Yeah. It's not that good. The Gruyere crowd, they're like, that's Swiss. You just don't have a refined enough palate and you don't understand it. So it's an interesting yeah. conversation. And I'm like, well, why can't I, I can just sit and eat certain cheeses by hand. Right. But if I just started scooping cream cheese out and eating it, you'd think I was a lunatic. Yeah. Why is that? Why do some cheeses have to be served with a cracker? Right. <laughs> I mean, those are great. I mean, those are truly great questions, and you it makes you. I have questions, think, right? We did a we did a live version of that show, and one of the things, and we had a crowd, and I asked the crowd, like, "Give me something that you are embarrassed to admit that this is how you eat this." Like, either you put ketchup on something that should not 
put ketchup Ooh, on. That's a good one. Like a guilty pleasure that you're like, I love this and I hope nobody sees me eating this. What's out there? What's the most random? Oh crazy? my God. You should be able to, the things that people put pickles on that you wouldn't expect or the things that people put ketchup on. It was crazy. Yeah. Like we had a whole crowd and once one broke the ice with, then everybody. I want mayonnaise on spaghetti. Wow. Game on. Like yeah. people got competitive. Sure. They're like, here's what I like. And yeah. it, what it really did was it, it let people show a side of their personality that you would never have expected. Because we all have that. Yeah. We all have something like, I kind of like it like this. Yeah. Yeah. So it was fun. That show gets gets crazy. That's it's hilarious yeah. to me. Have you done one on bacon yet? Being I'm from the bacon capital of the world. We uh, we produce a, show, a podcast called The Sizzle. It's all about bacon. Okay. And... Um, he doesn't want to talk about any other pork products. He doesn't want to talk about ham. He does. It's bacon only. He's very. Um, so how does that podcast work? How does he just talk about bacon? He never runs out. He he. There's there's a million ways to slice that. Pork. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. He talks about candied bacon. He talks about the clothesline bacon. Yeah. There's bacon bourbon. There's yeah. bacon. Everything. There's bacon ice cream. Yep. Never runs out. He loves bacon. I'm somebody who does not believe. Um, Meat should be a condiment. I think it gets in the way of the burger. I don't want bacon on my burger. Sure. People want bacon on everything. Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) The people who want the bacon, they they want all, give me all the bacon. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so the love debate, the food, food, political junkies, it's all, you know, slightly tongue in cheek, but it's things that I'm, I I do believe that once you engage people in, in, fun, interesting conversations and you turn on the side of the brain that they might not have had on for a while. Yeah. It really stimulates a lot of um, interaction and personality and bonding and, and all those kinds of things. Sure. Yeah. And so the reason I brought up the political junkies is because, I mean, at 30, I think, especially over the last eight years, like you touched on it, like politics being such a big thing in yeah. just the dating scene, right? They are. I think it's a thing that more people need to talk about because personally I feel like it's a difficult conversation and if we can get back to not hating somebody because of how they view something politically, I feel like we'd be in a better place. That's a good point. That's one thing that I that I learned when we did the great love debate in Israel. They're passionate arguers. Sure. So are the Irish. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of cultures where it's it's the way they communicate is they take an opinion and they have it out and then they have a drink and then we're all good here. Right. We're not like that. We're like, if, if you disagree with me, I'm blocking you. Yep. I don't want to hear from you. I only want people to agree with me. I want, yes. I want your, and, and we don't know how to have not even contentious dialogue, but spirited dialogue from opposite sides. Right. I love that. I yep. love that stuff. Um, people, I get, you know, on my social media or my Facebook page, I say all kinds of crazy stuff. A lot of it is to run it up the flagpole and to see how people react. Sure. I get private messages like, I, I don't know how you can have these conversations. I'm like, why can't we all have these conversations? Right. There are things that affect us. You, you should have some opinion on it. You know, the problem with political junkies is for most of it, for at least 2021, we were talking about COVID stuff. Which right. is crazy that on a political show, we spent so much time talking about a health situation. Yeah. That's how political that got. Right. And, um, and so, yeah, I think, I think you need to be a part of your community. That could be small or large. You yep. have to um, be cognizant of the world around you. You have to be open to different views. You can't just be like, I'm pulling all the, the levers on the right or the left. I, right. Think, I think the most interesting person I know have voted a lot of different ways. And they have a lot of different um, 
viewpoints and I think you evolve your viewpoints as you get older. A lot For of Democrats sure. turn into Republicans. A lot of Republicans turn into Democrats. And a lot of people in their 20s are like, never. And I'm like, good Just luck. Wait. You'll see when you have a family. Yeah, yeah. it's different. And um, you're right, though. It's something that we need to not only have conversations, but, but learn how to have conversations. Correct. And we don't do that enough. We don't. We go in so geared up. And like I said, yeah. it's crazy in the dating world that before you order the edamame on your first date you need to know how they where they stand roe v wade like right that's not a healthy environment for sure you know and so i don't know what the appropriate time is it's probably not before the appetizer yeah just wait just at least share share some cheese and if you don't agree that's probably one thing out of thousands of things that you will agree on you won't agree on it shouldn't be fatal to a relationship because you don't believe in the death penalty yeah or something like that. Uh, you know, I don't think some people are like, well, it shows their values. I'm like, most people all have the same values. For sure. And there's some nuance to that and some circumstances to that. And there's some how you were raised to that. Yep. You know, I brought up, uh, I did a podcast last week and it was, uh, it was a dozen dumb reasons not to date someone. That's the name of the podcast? That was the episode title. Okay. And I brought up everything from religion you know, if you don't date somebody because you're not the same religion, you're basically saying one hour a week we have different habits and sure. we can't date because of that. Right. A lot of reasons like that because people look for reasons not to get into relationships as much as they look to. They look for red flags and not green lights, which I've said before. Um, and that's crazy. And we do that all the time. We, we, you know, we're in such a hide behind our devices society that we need like a positive. Yeah technological interaction before we say hello. Right. Now it's almost like it's strange to go up to somebody and say hello at Target. No, it is. And it's, it, people are like, what do you want from me? What do you, I don't yeah. understand. It's nuts. So, I mean, like, even when I moved out here, like, you know, I come from rural America and, you know, going through the grocery store and I'm like, oh, excuse me. Yeah. And people look at you like you're going to rob them or something. But, like, right. it's just so different. And the guys are like, oh, we have it hard now. I'm like, guys, back in the 40s and 50s, these guys had to go up to girls and ask them to dance right. and dance with them before yeah. they could do anything. Like yeah. it was much harder then. Like now people are, they're babies and they're, they're self-centered and uh, it's a mess out there. So the, the more uh, mediums and outlets there are to have conversations, I think yeah. the better. And, and the people who, you know, want to, um, as I always say, get your head out of your apps and stop playing video games and, and notice the people around you and, and sit down and talk to somebody. Right. All ages, all backgrounds, it's, it's really, and that's what you're doing with this podcast, which I appreciate a lot. Um, you will learn so much more. You will be so much more fulfilled. You'll be so much more stimulated if you can just be open to those opportunities. Right. Life is all about recognizing opportunities and acting on them and not killing them. Yeah. And we do way too much killing of, of opportunities and possibilities. Yeah. So I guess I kind of wanted to share this story with you because I saw it. <clears throat> firsthand and you got the you know great love debate podcast so i'm curious if it's ever came up in one of your shows or anything but uh we were at uh cold beers and cheeseburgers ironically um and there was a group of people i think it was one of the sun's playoffs games and at the end of the evening it was like my girlfriend and one of my best friends and we're sitting there and this guy comes over and behind us was a table of four girls Uh and he came over and he shot a shot and it was beautiful. Like you could tell, (laughs) like he, it took everything that he had in him. He walked over, 
<clears throat> and he was like, hey, I think you're very pretty, and I was wondering if I could have your number. She said, no, but I'll take yours. And I thought, oh, okay, that's fair. fair. But she didn't. She opened her phone, and she was just like Oh, she faced it. The only reason I saw that is because her back was to me. And so I was like, I mean, personally, I thought, what a bitch move. Yeah. My answer to that guy is, you you don't want to date her anyway. Right. You got off easy. Yeah. That sucks. It does. She didn't even give him a shot. No. Good for him going up one on four. Right. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. So I didn't know if like you if that's like a topic of you know, inside your show, I mean, how people, you know, approach one another. I, I think that the easiest way to approach people, and that's a good question. There there's almost nobody that you can't approach anywhere where if you ask them a question and that question is not something that if you were married, your wife would get mad at you. Sure. Meaning if you were in Starbucks and you went up to some, some woman and you said, um, hey, are they still serving the caramel macchiato or the pumpkin spice latte or how sweet is the, some, something about that? Right. If you were married, your wife would not get mad at you. And the woman is, somebody's going to answer you. Sure. You go to Home Depot and you ask questions. That's why people are happy in Home Depot. Nobody's afraid to ask questions. Right. If you go up to her and you ask her something where you'll be like, what size are those jeans? Like your wife would get mad at you. Yeah. So you should be able to ask a question, a legitimate question, and people willing. And that's the start. All you're doing is hitting the ping pong ball over the net and trying to get them to hit it back. So if you just went up to her cold, not knowing anything and said, do you, can I have your number? He needed to build up a little base before that. He need to go up to be like, hey, did you guys have the mozzarella sticks? How are they? Or right. are you going to finish those nachos? Or just go up there and ask something that doesn't look like you're walking up to single her out and hit on her. Yeah. Get everybody comfortable and just have conversations. And if the conversation goes back and forth for a little while, then you're less likely to get either a fake number or the fake entering of the number or yeah. whatever. He shot his shot. He shot it a little too quickly. Sure. But you got to um, respect it. I mean, it is. It, you also can't buy a girl a drink anymore. They think you roofied it. Yeah, that and <laughs> you know, that is a true thing. I mean, that's we can't pick them up for dates anymore. Right, you can't even pick them up at their house on a first date. Meet them. You got to meet them. So everything then is meet up, hang out. It doesn't feel like a date. It's very strange. You know, everything's different now because no, everybody's so apprehensive, fear based. You know, all of it, and uh, I don't think that's that's healthy, but. Good, good for him. You know, yeah. get back at it. Like, if she rejected you, too, yeah. it might not have anything to do with you. Right. The best, I, I spent a lot of time in Hollywood, the best actors and, and actresses learn pretty early on in their auditioning process that if they didn't get the part, it just meant they weren't right for the part. Sure. It didn't mean that they weren't talented. Yeah. And I think you need to take that into all aspects of life, whether Absolutely. it's a job interview or a date. Like, I just wasn't a fit for this. It's not... It's them as much as me. It's not indicative of anything. And onward I go. Yeah. That's a better way to look at it where you take everything so personally. For sure. And I think that, like you said, that's a thing that people need to stop doing in all walks of life. Because not all walks everything of life. is and personal. And a lot of people are in their own head. Some people could just, and she could have just been in a bad mood that day. Sure. She's probably pissed. Sons lost. So they they got, suck. Yeah. And the Suns, could, she could be a huge Suns <laughs> fan. I don't know. But uh, yeah, people not take it so personally. If you get rejected, oh well. Yeah. 
get have at it, you know, uh, and get over it. A lot of guys, a lot of guys say this at our shows. They're like, well, everybody saw me get rejected. No, they didn't. Nobody cares. Right. Nobody paid any attention. You did. And you felt, but you're like, who cares? But yeah, I mean, if that guy listens to this pod, sorry about yeah, it. Sorry. But. She faked it, but good. <laughs> yeah. You got a feasy. Yeah. She's not calling you. Right. If she really took your number and didn't call you, that's not better. Right. The outcome was the same. Sure. You know, you, you had three more friends. You should go back in and try and find that. Yeah, one. no doubt. That's uh, it is. That's so funny. I used to, we used to go out, my group of friends, and we had one guy. He was really annoying, but we would bring him out with us, and we would send him over to a group of girls, and then we would go over and be like, is he bothering you? And they'd be like, yes, for yeah, sure. And we were like heroes, <laughs> but that was like our, he was like our leadoff man. That's so we'd funny. Like a bowling ball. We'd send him into a pack of girls, and then we'd come over and be like, I can't believe he's bothering He you was now. your golden retriever. Right. You let we him were, play with it for a little <laughs> we bit. We were heroes. Yeah, I love that. Uh, so when you travel all over the country and you're meeting these people, especially like inside that dating scene, mm-hmm. area to area, is it extremely different or is that a false narrative? No, it's extremely different. I mean, every city, there's possibilities everywhere. So sure. I shouldn't rule it out, but... You know, one of the biggest challenges is, is, and the women don't deny that I say this, that the, over the last 20 years, the women have ramped up their independent, I don't need a man, masculine energy. Yeah. And if anything, the men have become bigger pussies. Sorry. Yeah, I agree with the that. The women have gotten harder and the men have gotten softer. Mm-hmm. In certain cities, the women have gotten too hard. San Francisco, Seattle, New York, where they have so ramped up that it's, you know, the South is still going to be easier. It's still a little more fun, a little more flirtatious, a little more traditional dating yeah. values. And you could be like, well, no, society's changed. It has, but physiologically, we're still wired as men and women and boys and girls. And there's still a little bit of that. Yeah. There's too many walls up in a lot of the cities. Um, you know, to combine political junkies or not, it's easier to date in a red state. That's what I was just going to ask. Because, I mean, it some is. of those cities you were naming were pretty It just good. is. Sorry. Um, because a lot of the, you know, traditional dating worked just did he led he asked you out he paid for your dinner held the car door all those all the good parts of it yeah a lot of women still want that for sure there's a lot of women who are not on the same page with this a lot of women are like to other women like quiet down you're scaring the rest of the guys off and the guys are like you know what i'm just gonna go home and watch porn and play with my video games i don't need the crap yeah and the coming storm we had uh dr drew do the great love debate a bunch of times you know who dr drew is yeah yeah he says, and he's right, that the kid who's 14 years old now, by the time he's 18, he's going to be able to go to Starbucks or anywhere, take a picture of the girl, turn it into a virtual avatar who's going to call him by his name, talk to him, he's going to put a helmet on, he's going to get a virtual reality version of any girl he yeah. wants. Yeah. Why would he ever ask a girl out? Why would he ever spend the money? Why would he ever risk the rejection? He's not going to do anything. He's going to get 80% of... It's like these people are never going to go to Hawaii. They're going to put on a helmet and get 80... It's going to yeah. feel warm. Right. And it's going to smell like well, Hawaii. Well, that's the metaverse, right? The metaverse is... Once it gets into dating, we're done as a society. We're done. So, so <laughs> I mean... I, or, or the guys who, who want the real thing, they're yeah. going to kill it. That's More what I ever. think. The alphas will win. That's what I think. Because, like, when you... when I mean, I don't know. Within the last three months, I think the metaverse is really, like, gone. Yeah, but you're right? going to be like, oh, I can just have somebody who looks like Ariana Grande just call me by my name, and I'm going to have a sure online relationship. But if it seems 80% real... I mean... People are going to sign up to Still that. playing with your own pecker, right? I mean... They don't care. And I don't know. <laughs> who knows what the helmet's going to be able to trick you to doing? Like, there's a there's a, a virtual reality thing now where you can put on, put on this helmet 
and any food will taste like lobster. I don't any food. It has. I'm afraid of heights. Okay. Sure. I I did the uh, the ride over Disneyland. They have like the soaring over California, where you're like hang gliding, but you're really sitting in a chair and you have a helmet on. I could not convince my brain that I was sitting in a chair. I was terrified. Freaked out the whole time. So I can't imagine what it's yeah. going to be able to trick us in. So the metaverse, when it comes to, to dating, that's the danger because those people they're like, this is awesome. I'm yeah. never leaving. Well, I'm, I'm sure never leaving my house. I'm sure, and I hope that those people do do that because. I think that probably solve a lot of the world's problems. I don't think that's a few people. I think that's a lot of people. That's fine. I mean, I, it's just a wild world to me. I, know, I don't I'm understand. Like more it. for me. Yeah, good, that's exactly. I do know the difference? But Correct. The kids who are fourteen, they don't know the difference. That's what's so crazy. I mean, you're not wrong because people are buying, spending like actual money on metaverse yachts and shit. Yeah, I rather have they are a real. They're, they're one. buying a fake mansion in Beverly Hills. Like, right. I get it, but if you can, you know. This combination of sort of video games and porn. Right. Where you, they can feel like they win and they're confident and they're rewarded. They're not going to risk going out at dinner and having some girl hate them for 150 bucks. They're right. like, screw it. I'm just going to stay home. Yeah. I don't know what we do about that. I think we have to build up rejection. Um, I have a lot of like interesting takes on things. Like one thing I say a lot and I don't know that I necessarily like mean it to its core, but... I think we need to bring back bullying in some sense. Dodgeball. Like, you know, but like, to be honest, like, I hear Ethan laughing, like, and I know that there's a lot of, we need to bring back some dodgeball. Right. But like, they're like, you need to know trophies in dodgeball. Right. And if you're an asshole, you might get punched in the face sometimes. Yeah. And there's not a lot of that anymore. And some people coming up, like you're talking about 14 year olds, if their whole life is online, like. I just don't under. I, it's just a thing that I personally believe in. It just. I mean, I've been fat my whole life, so at some point I went from being bullied to be like, okay, I have to like bully a little bit. Yeah, and that's when I got like this little bit of asshole in me, right? <laughs> but it worked. Asshole goes a long way. It does, and it's worked well for me. You know? Know. know. So um, somebody I, once called me a charming asshole, and I goes, "That a compliment?" She goes, "Absolutely." absolutely. Yeah, I was yeah. like, "Okay, for sure, good." So it just <laughs> is a wild thing to me, and I guess as somebody that sees all of i mean you've been fortunate enough to be in a lot of well, different social groups that, right let's say, so that that happens at our live shows we do show in in philadelphia so yeah. i walk around the crowd and i have a microphone and i try and get people to say stuff when i do a show in philly the guys there think if i get the microphone i'm gonna get laid tonight sure i do the show in silicon valley those guys are like if i get the microphone i'm gonna get laughed at tonight and there's a huge difference and the women pick up on it the women are like, see, this is what we're dealing with. These guys are terrified, and they want right. to just—they don't get their head out of their video games. Or the Northeast guys say what you want about them. They're—they're they're getting laid. Those guys, for sure. Yeah. So, what do you think? But what I'm a New Yorker, so I, <laughs> yeah. I always—but I've lived in LA for a long, long time. Right. So I have seen both sides. I spent sort of half my life in each place. It is different. Right. You know, but you know, bullying. Uh, everybody's got to go through a little bit of shit. Yes. And you got to learn to deal with it. And you got to learn to toughen up. And you got to learn to take rejection. And, yep. and, and, you know, there's no participation trophies in, in know, life. In life. Yeah. So just, yeah. I mean, so when you see that difference, and not just in the dating scene, because you see that difference in people yeah. from across the country, right? Like, mm-hmm. 
what do you think that is? What what do you, as someone who's been around many people, mm-hmm. traveled the country, lived in different spots for a majority of their lives. Uh-huh. I mean, outside of the Midwest, you've never experienced. Maybe we could take you back to the farm sometime. But what do you think that's? What do you think that difference is? What do you think makes those people so different? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, yeah, what makes them different? Uh. I don't know. It's well, certain things I get. Certain thing places are harder to date simply because of the weather. Sure. San Diego is a very lazy dating city because the quality of life it's so pleasant yeah. that there's no sense of urgency every day. Right. Every day sees the same and you can have a pretty nice day without sitting across from somebody you don't know for 45 minutes. Right. Place like Chicago or Milwaukee or Cleveland like there is Four months of go time. Yeah. You better find a girlfriend by Thanksgiving or it's a long, cold winter. Yeah. That changes the dating sure. behavior. Here, as we're recording this from Scottsdale, Arizona, there's a lot of hot people. Yeah. They're in shape. I know. We are not them. We but, are them. Uh, <laughs> Ideal male physique. Two sides of the table right but, here. But you see, you know, it's different. It's different. Um attitudes right it's, it's it, a lot of places are like i'm just gonna go to the store don't look at me i got 10 layers of clothes on right. not here no and so it's a little tougher to get people's attention it's a love it's a little tougher to to get people to um not be bigger better deal all the time when there's right. a million good-looking dudes and hot chicks around like sure it, it, it's a little bit harder so the cities that sort of have good civic pride like they a, a lot of places that we go Everybody wants to blame the city that they're in. They're yeah. like, this place sucks, and no, I'm not going to find anybody here, and I'm going to move. New York's going through that now. Everybody wants to leave New York. A lot of us as New Yorkers, we're like, I'm never leaving New York. Now everybody's like, at some point, I'm, that means that you're not as likely to pursue another relationship because you're like, I don't want to get tied down here. I want to leave. Yeah. And so people who feel really good, like, you know what? I love living in St. Louis, and I want to raise my family here or whatever. You, those people are far more likely to say yes to a date yeah. than somebody who's like, I got one eye on the exit. Yep. So it, it is different, you know? We, um, there's big, fun, vibrant personalities in a place like Miami. Right. You know, it's a lot of over-the-top crazy. It, 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 it changes the energy, which yeah. is a good thing, you know? Yeah, and then in your experience, I mean, how easy I've always felt like I've had that skill of being able to tell if somebody's like full of shit right away. Like, I feel like yeah. I'm really good at like, okay, this guy's bullshit. Right. You yeah. know, how, how much of that do you see and how much do you think that plays a disconnect between people? Well, you know, I think if you're talking about dating, I think in the first, you know, 60 days, we're all just out with their publicists anyway. Right. They're not leading with the worst parts of them or whatever. It's the ones who are unafraid to sort of own their flaws and vulnerability are the ones that do the best. Sure. Especially the dudes who do that. The women know that you're at best imperfect and at worst you are a nutcase. Yeah. She wants to see that. The one the guy who's like, oh, I'm fine, nice guy or whatever, shouldn't trust that at all. Right. They never do. Right. They don't trust it. They don't guys nice guys like, I don't know, I'm so nice, they don't shouldn't trust your niceness, buddy. Yeah. She wants to know that you're a good guy who's working on yourself. Who's right. like, you know what? I probably do drink too much. I probably play too much fantasy football. I, I yell. I'm an asshole. But I'm aware of it. 
whether you're going to therapy for it or you're cutting right. back or you're going to the, whatever. They want to know that somehow you're doing the work. Right. And that's a good thing. A lot of, you know, guys were taught not to show vulnerability, not to show weakness and yeah. be all tough. And that is really hard on the women. And so the women are like, you know what? Every guy's a jerk. Yeah. So leading with that, you know, sorry, I'm late. I just came from my therapist. That's going to, she's going to like that. Sure. <laughs> Shocking. Yeah. She's going to like that. Or if you're late all the time, or if you do this all the time, if you're like, I'm aware of it, not fuck off. Right. It's, I'm aware of it. I, I have some work to do on it. They love it. Yeah. And the men love that of the women too. Like, same thing. Like, own your weakness. Yeah. Be vocal about your vulnerability. That goes so far. It takes a really confident person to do that. And that confidence, you know, that's an unsurprising, that's uh, a, a surprising source to, to do it. Um, sort of reveal yourself. Yeah. So, in your experience, is do you see, like, do you, the old adage is opposites attract. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's bullshit or do you think that's true? Uh, I think that all of us have seven things that we're opposite about. And we probably have 995 that we're pretty similar about. Sure. I think it's what we focus on. I just read where we're, we have more. We're only like three degrees away from a banana. Like we as people, we have like 99% of the same DNA as a piece of fruit. Yeah. yeah. It's really weird. Sure. Um do opposites attract? They can. And uh, I just don't think, I always say the three words that you've got to get rid of in life are the words, not my type. If you're over 30 and you're still single, you have no type. Right. Your type's not working out for you. Yep. And that goes for me too. So, you know, we have to sort of, the answers always exist outside your comfort zone. Right. And we're so afraid now. We're so the thing the last couple of years did for us is really put people in their bubbles and their comfort zone. You're going to have to go in the land of no and rejection to really right. get what you want. And uh, that's where all the that's where the upside is. You know, for take sure. a shot, jump out of a plane, whatever. Do whatever. Well, like punctually, like, uh, you know, like people that are always on time. I feel like they always seem to marry People that are always late or stuff like that. Like, do you see that? Like those kind of things? I do see things like that. You know, I brought that up on the reasons not to date somebody. You should like the vegan and the meat eater. You know, they can look at it like, oh, they're not going to share any food. But I look at it like, okay, she's not going to take a bite of my my meat. Yeah. Good for me. Yeah, I get all the steak. I get all the steak. Yeah. The worst thing is dating somebody who loves steak as much as you. And she's like, oh, I'm going to get your own fries. (laughs) Yeah. So there's ways to get around it. You know, uh, the opposites track that sometimes that builds chemistry. Right. And banter and different sides of solving a problem. Um, that's a good thing. But, th- you know, there's possibilities everywhere. Yeah. So as someone who hears millions of conversations, right? You mm-hmm. not just traveling, obviously doing this. You listen to a bunch of them mm-hmm. that you help produce. What is something that you could give, like, as it, like, maybe you pick up on people just trying to talk to strangers or whatever. What is, like, a tidbit that you could give somebody to be more active, not just in dating conversations, but in conversations in general? That you should look at it like your passion and your curiosity are going to drive everything. And if you have those two things, you're going to be able to recognize that there's something I can either learn or gain or get a new perspective from every person you talk to. And somebody like me, who's a huge introvert, I don't want to talk to anybody most of the time. I realize that that's an unhealthy way to go through life. Sure. I shouldn't be afraid that somebody on the airplane is going to talk to me or share an elevator with me or the Uber guy is going to talk to me. 
that's I realize now that's not a healthy way to live. Right. So you have to put yourself in a situation where you're like, what am I here to learn or what can I do? And then you can take, you know, most introverts are afraid of not being able to control the conversation. Okay. They're afraid they're going to be asked something or put in a conversation that they're not. If you go into a situation where, where you're like, I'm going to just ask a question. Right. And then I'm sort of in control of the dialogue here. That goes a long, long way to engaging other people in a way that you're comfortable with. Sure. So trying to learn something from three people every single day or something, just right. something new. I think there are habits that you can get into that helps you make connections. And yep. Whether that's job networking or looking for a relationship or just, you know, getting into a new city or anything is putting yourself in these uncomfortable situations where you're not sure where this is going to go, but I'm at least going to lead it somewhere. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. I think that's the one thing. I mean, I, we sat here when I first met you and you're Mm -hmm. like, what do you want to get out of this? And I wanted people to have more conversations. And yeah, personally, I love difficult conversations. Like not, I wouldn't say that I'm confrontational, but part of it is that, right? But no, and, but I being, think a, you yeah, have being to a learn. curious personality is such a huge advantage in life. Yeah, and asking questions to people and having conversations when you're not sure where they're going to go, and you're sitting here with no notes and just winging it, it's yeah. awesome, and and that's going to get you a lot further in life than I, I'm only going to have the conversations that I've well thought out ahead of time with people that I know the answers to. Like, right. That, there's nothing interesting about that. No, there is not. Well, as we wind down, I just want to say thanks again for coming on. Thanks, brother. Knocked over the plant. That's on me. Wow, is that a real plant? It is. There's water. Who knew? I didn't know that until right now. (laughs) Well, I appreciate you uh, filling in. Uh, Really appreciate everything you've done for me so far. Excited to grow this. Well, I must be filling in for somebody awesome that I'm the Mm, filling. No, no. I'm just saying, like, (laughs) it's really hard to find I'm not, I shouldn't say, I should say this, but it's not hard to find guests. You touched on it earlier. People do enjoy to be on podcasts, right? They do. They like being asked questions about themselves. themselves. Yes. They're back like, where are you from? Everybody's going to answer to that. But it's really hard when somebody says at three o'clock, they can't be on your show today and you got to record at five o'clock. I agree. So I appreciate that more than you know. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone at home for listening. Excited for our next guest. Thank you so much for Brian. Uh, Like, comment, subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe again, rate us five stars. Thank you so much. It's only been the way you bought it.